So this summer we're wrestling with the question, why does our world need Jesus? The title of the series is Why Our World Needs Jesus. But we're really asking the question, why does our world need Jesus? And what we're finding is that there are lots of different answers to this important question. Our world, with all of its brokenness and division and pain and exhaustion and anger, needs Jesus more today than ever before. I believe that. I'm convinced of that. But unfortunately, many people do not know that Jesus has the answers to so many of the questions and the problems that they are wrestling with in life. Last week, we were in Matthew, really, 5, 6, and 7, looking at the the Sermon on the Mount. I tried to make the case that Jesus helps us live a moral life, and he helps us make moral choices uh, with all the different things that that we face on on a regular basis, the challenges, the temptations. But today, what I'd like to do is is talk a little bit about peace and the different ways that I think Jesus brings us peace uh, into our hearts, uh, into our souls. Now, some of you remember the story told about the guy who was uh, shipwrecked on an island. The plane went down. There were no other survivors except this one guy. And he lived on the shipwrecked island for a couple of years, and nobody rescued him. Then finally one day, a plane flew over, and they saw this man putting up a smoke signal, and they went and rescued him. And they got there, and he said, I thought I'd be here forever. I didn't think anybody was going to come. And they said, well, we're here. We're here to rescue. And he said, well, can I give you a tour of my island before I leave? I've been here for a couple of years, and I want you to see what I've been doing. And he said, sure. And they walked, and they saw this bamboo hut, first one. And he said, this is my house. This is where I've been living. Uh, it's, it's been great. It's given me shelter. It's kept me dry. And, you know, I've been living here. And then they walked a little further. He said, this is my church where I've been worshiping. Um, you know, I go to church every Sunday. Sometimes I'll go on Wednesday nights if I'm bored, you know, and, and uh, this is where I've been. This is where I've been going. And, and then they looked over and said, well, what's that hut over there? And he said, oh, <laughs> that was the church I used to go to before I got mad and started going to this church. <laughs> He's on the island by himself. Okay. So, We're talking about peace this morning. I have called what we've been living through over the past two years, uh, many times now, the perfect storm. The storm started when COVID hit in the spring of 2020. Then uh, we all had to stay at home. Things were shut down. Uh, We worked from home. Our kids couldn't go to school. Then it got cranked up a notch after the death of George Floyd in the May of 2020. And we had all the riots and the burning of businesses and the racial uh, reconciliation or reckoning, I would say, that summer. Then uh, COVID got worse. We fought over masks. We fought over vaccines. We fought over whether we could have worship services or not. Uh, Then we experienced an election in the midst of all this. This was the perfect storm with lots of different waves and lots of different parts. And I think everybody here would acknowledge that this has been hard. And as soon as we thought we were going to get a break, it just kind of kept going and going. And so I don't know if our culture has ever been rocked over and over again the way it has the past two years. If you remember at the beginning of COVID, we all experienced some peace, at least initially. I don't want to say all, but most people did. Uh, We slowed down. We stayed at home. We spent time with our families. Uh, We saw the neighbors. We sat out on the patio or the the deck. our family built a, a treehouse. Actually, we didn't build a treehouse. I hired a guy to build a treehouse, and we watched him. Uh, but it was our treehouse, and we really liked it. Um, but after a few months, you know, the, the, the peace gave way to restlessness, 
and division and anger and all the other things that human beings do when they're under stress for an extended period of time. And little did we know COVID would be here for an extended period of time. Uh, ask our youth group after their trip to Panama City. It just doesn't want to go away. This past uh, week, Jay and I went down to Birmingham, Alabama for a couple of days for a leadership conference uh, put on by the Church of the Highlands. The Church of the Highlands is one of the fastest growing churches in America right now. And this leadership conference had some incredible speakers, but one of them is a guy that's had a tremendous impact on my life. I've told you before, John, John C. Maxwell, and he was speaking on, on Wednesday night. And John has so much wisdom, so much experience. I got to go down a couple of years ago uh, to, to train with him and to go through his uh, leadership and speaking uh, certification. And I'd recommend any of John's books. They're all just phenomenal. But um, here's some water. John made the comment this week that it's during the stressful times of life that people's true nature is revealed. Meaning when you go through difficult times or an extended period of stress and adversity and uncertainty, you get tested. And no, we didn't always act the way that we wanted to during the, the height of the pandemic. I know I didn't. But things just kept coming and coming and happening and it, and it seemed relentless and and people were unreasonable and angry and afraid and critical and cruel and crazy. Can I add? But Maxwell said it's during the tough times of life that we discover who we are and what we're made of. But I also think that it's during the tough times of life that Jesus comes to us and he brings peace. In our text today, it's evening time and Jesus and his disciples go out on the boat ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And, and Matthew tells us that, that a great windstorm arose and waves were beating against the boat and the boat was being swamped. It kind of sounds like the last two years to me. But Jesus, probably tired from a long day of teaching by the sea, was in the stern of the boat asleep. He's on a, on a cushion, Mark says. But the disciples begin to panic and, and they go and they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us because we are perishing. And with that, Jesus gets up and he asks them, why are you afraid? You have little faith. He then rebukes the wind and the sea and there was a dead calm. And the disciples were filled with great awe and they said, you know, who is this? And even the wind and the sea obey him. In Mark's account, he actually uh, tells the same story. But when Jesus wakes up, he has Jesus actually saying the words, peace, peace, be still. Whatever happened on that boat that day in the Sea of Galilee, we don't really know. But what we do know is that the storm died down and the wind ceased and the disciples were simply amazed. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, we all face storms and challenges in life. There's all kinds of storms. We find ourselves overwhelmed and panicked and scared and afraid a divorce with lawyers, legal fees, battling over custody of the kids, a secret affair discovered, feeling betrayed, drinking problem that gets out of control, the loss of a child to cancer, the backstabbing of somebody you thought was your friend, financial hardships, not being able to pay the bills, miscarriages uh, even after the nursery is already decorated, spouse getting dementia, a teenager addicted to drugs and can't tell the truth. Life is full of storms. We know this. 
We've lived this. We still live this. And in those storms, we feel like the waves are beating against us. The winds are howling. The rain is falling. And sometimes we can't see what's ahead and we don't know how we're going to make it. And let's be honest, storms can consume us. This storm in Matthew's gospel was all-consuming for the disciples. They were terrified. But Jesus says, why are you afraid? You have little faith. I've been through storms in my life. Uh, I wouldn't say a ton of them, but I went through one really bad storm and I lost my mother to suicide. That was about as bad as it got for me. And that was many years ago. We all go through storms. If I were to ask you this morning, name some of the storms that you have lived through in your life, what would you say? And how long did they last? And how did you do in dealing with it? I believe that in the midst of our storms, whatever they are, Jesus says, peace be still. And sometimes in the midst of life's most challenging situations, we need to hear that same thing. Peace be still. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. There was uh, an ethicist who taught at Duke, a guy named Stanley Hirawas, and uh, I, I studied with him at Sewanee. He had a, also had a big impact on my life and ministry and my academic work. And this is one thing that, that Stanley says about being a Christian. He says, to become followers of Jesus means that we must, like him, be dispossessed of all that we think gives us power over our own lives and the lives of others. Unless we learn to relinquish our presumption that we can ensure the significance of our lives, we're not capable of experiencing the peace of God's kingdom. Another guy named Peter Scazzaro, he's a minister up in Queens, New York, and he's kind of built a career on teaching and writing about emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy leadership. And so Scazzaro says there are three things that we need to do to find or at least work towards emotional health in life. The first one, he says, is slow down. Stop trying to do more than you can. Be realistic about what you can take on. Don't schedule more than you can do. Learn to say no and don't feel guilty about it. Stop living so fast and out of control. I don't know about you, but that resonates with me in a big way. The second thing he says is anchor yourself in the love of God. Realize that God loves you no matter what, no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened. And some of us need to, to sit back and, and let God love us. Some of us need to experience that grace because we can be really hard on ourselves. And the third thing he says is break free from illusions that are only in your head. You know, we fight many battles and most of them are between our two ears. Things that we believe and worry about may not even be real, but we convince ourselves that they are true. And Mark Twain said, you know, I've had many worries in my life, most of which never actually happened. I love that quote. The question that I really want to drive home this morning regarding peace is how does Jesus bring us peace? Specifically, how does Jesus bring us peace? We can say we believe that he, he brings us peace, but how does he bring us peace? In our darkest hour, during the roughest storm, when we feel like we can't push forward. And so I'm going to share just five very, very quick thoughts with you this morning to take with you today. The first one is this, Jesus brings us peace by teaching us about forgiveness. 
Without forgiveness of sins, we move through life never letting go of the things from our past. But here's the catch. After Jesus teaches us about forgiveness and after Jesus says, you are forgiven, what does he then say? Now go and forgive other people. You can't have it both ways. You can't ask for forgiveness and then say, I'm not going to go forgive other people. Forgiveness is not easy in many situations because hurts are deep and pride is strong. And in our minds, we can justify some of the things that we do and say, say, well, they deserved it. They had it coming. But without forgiveness, we are all in trouble because we're human. And we all do and say things that we wish we could take back. But instead of taking things back, Jesus says, you're forgiven. Now go and forgive others. Secondly, the way that Jesus brings us peace is by challenging us to be peacemakers. What is the beatitude? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's really hard to not experience peace if you're intentionally trying to make peace. And there's lots of ways that we can make peace. Go apologize. Say you're sorry. Stop talking about other people and and go talk to them. Don't pass along gossip or hearsay if you don't know whether it's true or not. You know, we hear something and we just assume, well, it must be true. Ever played that game of telephone? You do in youth group where you pass the same message along a circle or around a line and then you see what the message is by the end of it. it sounds nothing like what you started with. If you've got friends or family members who, who can't get along, then, then bring them together. Help them reconcile. If you care about both of them, you might be in a unique position to do that. Maybe neither of them know how to make the first move or first step. Don't say things about people when they aren't around that you wouldn't say to them to their face. I I tried to adopt that years ago. If I'm going to say something about somebody else, then I would want to stand by it in their presence. And if you can't stand by it in front of them, then don't say it. There's a time to stand up for yourself in life, but I think that many of the battles that we fight are unnecessary, but we choose to fight them over and over again anyway. Third thought this morning, Jesus brings us peace by teaching us the importance of prayer. One of the things at this conference that we went to this week, and many of you that have a prayer life, you know this, is that life is so busy and so heavy and we can feel so disconnected and discombobulated that if we don't stop and pray to God and connect with God and ask God for strength, then life's going to be really hard. Um, And Jesus teaches us how to pray. He says, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven. And and prayer is how we connect with God. The reason that so many people aren't at peace is because we don't pray. We're stressed, exhausted, frazzled, afraid, we don't take the time to talk to God and recharge, recenter, refocus. Ask God for strength. It doesn't make any sense, right? It'd be kind of like, uh, what's the best metaphor I can think of? You're trying to use your iPhone every day and, and you don't charge it at night. How long is it going to last? Fourth, the way Jesus brings peace is by teaching us to love. 
Because whenever we love, we spread peace. When we live in fear, that's when we become less peaceful. So the more that we can love, the more peace we're going to bring. He doesn't just tell us to to love the people that we like or to love the people that are like us. He tells us to love everybody, including our enemies. Paul writes to the Romans, let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love is a verb. We put it into action. We don't just have it in our hearts. And my last thought for you this morning, the fifth way that Jesus brings us peace, I think, is he reminds us how important it is to be humble. To be humble. Because when we are humble, we seem to have fewer problems in life. Have you noticed that? All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Humility is a Christian virtue, and it's a very important Christian virtue. Two short stories I want to tell you. One is about John Maxwell. He told us this story on Wednesday night. Maxwell was talking about success stabilizers, meaning the things that he thinks you should do if you earn more success in your life to make sure that it doesn't go to your head, right? And one of the things that he said he does is he goes back and he does things that he used to do when he was younger that he doesn't have to do anymore. And so he tells this story. He lives in Highlands, North Carolina during the summer. And he was down in Highlands at some restaurant. And somebody walked up to him and said, you're John Maxwell. He said, yes, I am. He said, wow, you're such a great speaker. Would you ever come speak to the Highlands Rotary Club? We have 80 people, but if you came, I think we could break 100. And he looked at him. He said, well, I'm busy. I got a schedule, but let me look at my schedule. Um, I, I, I think I can do that. Really? Yeah, I'll do it for you. Can I tell the Rotary Club? Yes, yes, tell the Rotary Club. Two months later, line up a day for the Rotary Club of Highlands, North Carolina. John Maxwell is going to be the speaker. By the way, he speaks to really, really big crowds at this point in his life. Maxwell says he goes, he gets the paper plate, gets in line, gets the food, gets ready. They ring the bell, do the four-way test, all the things Rotarians do. And he said, the guy looked at him and goes, 112 people. We broke 100 this morning just because of you. The other story is about another friend of mine named John Meacham. He teaches at Vanderbilt. He's a renowned presidential historian. Has a book coming out on Abraham Lincoln here in just a couple of months. <clears throat> but Meacham one time was in Washington, D.C. And um, he was there. I don't remember what he was there for. But somebody walked up to him on the Washington lawn and said, It's you! And he said, well, yeah, you know, existentially speaking, it's me. Here I am, right? He says, I've always wanted to meet you. You are such a great author. And he says, well, that's really nice of you. I, you know, it's so nice of you to say that. And, and, um, and, he, and, he, and John says, I swear to, to goodness, this is what happened. He goes, will you sign my book? And John says, yes, I'd be glad to sign your book. And the guy pulls out one of John Grisham's books and he hands it to him. And Meacham said, somewhere out there, there's a guy with a John Grisham book and a forged signature on the front, but I didn't have the heart to tell him. (laughs) You know, life will humble us in so many ways. It does humble us in so many ways. The storms of life come, but they go. And when one passes, guess what? There's probably going to be another one coming. 
So the question is, what can we do in the midst of the storms to find a sense of calm, to sense of peace, to manage our anxiety, to not let the winds and the waves and the rain overwhelm us? I love Philippians 4. Paul writes these words. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, he says, think about these things. But before he gets to that, he says something else. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We all long to experience the peace of God, and I believe that Jesus brings us peace. We have to open our hearts to it. When the winds are howling and the rain is falling, the waves are beating, Jesus says, why are you afraid? Peace. Be still. Amen.